In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to start with a little bit of a Bible study. So um, the gospel teaches us a lot of lessons, but I'm going to pinpoint three lessons that the gospel teaches us today. The first is that temptation is not a sin. Temptation is a reality. And Jesus, the Son of God, comes down from heaven, enters into our reality, and shows us how to battle against temptation. If you're being tempted, you're not sinning, you're battling. It says in the gospel, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Hebrews chapter 4 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. Hebrews, the writer is saying, Jesus was tested, but he did not sin. If you're tempted, you don't have to sin. Hebrews 2 says, Because he himself was tested through what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. Us who are tempted, day after day, we feel as if it's too hard. There's too much temptation around us. Jesus entered into temptation and can help us in our own. The second lesson, so temptation is not sin. The second is, the devil is real. 1 John 3 says, The Son of God was revealed to destroy the works of the devil. 1 Peter says, Be sober and vigilant. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. John 8, Jesus says, The devil is a liar and the father of lies. John 10 says, The devil is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil is jealous of us, and his jealousy is motivated by hatred. He hates you. Why? Because God loves you. God is jealous of us, but God's jealousy is motivated by love, and he proves that love by giving his own son on the cross. The third lesson. So the first, temptation is not sin. The second lesson, the devil is real. The third is that the devil has certain tactics, and those are revealed in the gospel. How does the devil work, and how does he try to attack his, God's children? The three tactics are pleasure, say pleasure, pleasure. Recognition, recognition, and greatness. Good job. <laughs> All right, the first temptation, Jesus, after 40 days, is hungry and The devil says, turn these stones into bread if you're the son of God. You know, Lent is about to start. This week we're going to be fasting. And for some reason, as we're fasting, it's like harder. It's like, you're going to probably give up sweets. I'm going to give up sweets. And I don't need sweets every day. But every single day of Lent, I'm going to be like, oh, I want sweets. Why is the temptation harder? Well, it's because we're fasting. And we live in a world that is so sensationalistic. We always care about how we feel. We're always like looking at like trying to get the most out of life in terms of our emotions and and our feelings. And so the world does not understand fasting and why we fast. So let's talk about fasting. We fast to grow in discipline. When you have to have something, you're often a slave to that. And we're called to freedom. We fast because we're called to detach from the world so that we can attach for Christ. 
We don't fast for its own sake, but we fast so that we can be attached to our Lord Jesus. This past week, um, I spent five days in Kentucky. I drove down by myself, spent five days with these monks who all day, every day, they start their day at three in the morning and they go to bed at 8 p.m. And they're constantly praying the Psalms and the scriptures. And I'm like, wow, these guys are amazing. I gave them my phone and I said, guys, I don't want my phone for these five days. And for five days, I was tripping. I was like, is everything okay at home? Like, are we good? Like, when I open my phone, is it, am I going to blow up and say, like, come home now, hurry up? I learned that the phone is like this false sense of security. I have it, I'm connected to the world, and now I'm secure, and now I feel like I'm okay. It's like anything in our lives, where if we feel like we need this, but we actually don't need it, we have this false sense of security that when we don't have it, we fall apart. And it's like, oh. And I realized that if I can't detach from my phone or from something, whatever you're attached to, then it stops me from being able to be attached to Christ. Those five days were of, of retreat for me were some of the best days. Where, thank God, I opened my phone and everything was fine, except there's a war now. But, I mean, it's not funny. Like, you know, we pray for, pray for Ukraine and pray for the world. But everything was, it's, it's the world. Nothing's different. And yet I had such a peace in my heart. I had such a peace because I knew that the Lord was happy and pleased with my detachment. And I prayed for five days. I battled my desire to open my phone or ask for my phone. And I just prayed in peace. Detachment can really help us. Fasting these next 40, 50 days is going to help you attach to Jesus Christ. I asked you last week, write down what you're going to do this Lent. If you did not do that this week, please, in the next couple of days, write down what you will do. Whatever you give up for Lent, it will feel harder, but know that that battle and that struggle is very profitable. So that first tactic of the devil is pleasure. And so we, we battle pleasure through fasting. The second tactic is recognition. The second temptation of the gospel, the devil says, he takes them up on the mount on the, in Jerusalem in the temple, and he says, throw yourself down, the angels will catch you. If he threw himself down, people would see him and say, wow, the angels are catching him. It's as if, like the devil's saying, have everybody look at you. We live in a culture that is all about affirmation. One thing that's beautiful about our faith is God is constantly affirming you. God is constantly saying, I love you. You're my daughter. You're my son. You're good because I made you good. And yet we're looking for different type of affirmation from the world. We see it in social media with likes and posts and all of that. We see it in like, like everyone gets a trophy nowadays, like even if you're not a winner. What we do, we often do to impress people. And we're always looking for other people's approval. And one of, the one of the things the devil wants to do is have you care more about what others think than what God thinks. It's better to do, some, to do good when no one is watching. So this Lent, I want us to do something good. It could be almsgiving where we donate money and nobody knows about it. Make sure nobody knows about it. 
We battle this desire for recognition through humility. All right, this third tactic. The devil, he, put, he takes Jesus on a t- high mountain and he says, everything in this world I'm going to give you, just bow the knee. Of course, Jesus would never bow to the devil. But would we? And do we even realize that we sometimes bow to that which is not of God? Jesus' response is kind of like an abridged version of the first commandment. I'm going to read the first commandment that God gives to the Jews in Exodus chapter 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not have other gods besides me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or a likeness of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters beneath the earth. You shall not bow down before them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Only God. Jesus defeats these temptations through these two key virtues of obedience and humility. Say obedience. Obedience. Humility. Humility. Obedience is really obedience to God, the first commandment. And it's in the Our Father we pray every time, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your will be done. And the devil is trying to get Jesus to run away from his father's will. We see it all through Jesus' life, but particularly in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is tempted. He's struggling. He knows what he's about to do. He says, Father, take this cup from me. Father, I just want some dessert or I want some pleasure. I want some recognition. I want some greatness. I want that which is passing. I don't want to suffer But what does Jesus say? Not my will, but thy will be done. When fasting is hard these next 40, 50 days, remember the example of Jesus. And remember the value of detachment so that we can attach to Jesus Christ. I asked you to pray about what you're called to fast from, what you're called to do, what you're, like maybe you're going to add a rosary. If you pray about it and you know that it's coming from God, it will be much easier to keep hold of your, of your, of your like, what you're going to do, of your commitment. Because if it doesn't come from God, you're going to say, oh, it's not that deep. Like, you go a week, you go two weeks, and you're like, it's okay. For example, I know that God called me to be a priest. And when times get hard... Because I know that God called me, I say, Lord, your will be done. It's good. I'm happy because I want to do your will. It's the same with us in anything in our lives. If we pray about something and we have a conviction that this is what God wants, then we're going to be able to do it. You might ask yourself, how do I know what God wants? Well, don't ask that question until you pray. Like, actually, sit down and pray. In silence, open the word, pray about what God's calling you to do. Again, today's culture is trying to flee from suffering, but in Lent, we know that there's such great value in that. It's an escapist mentality, but in in Christianity, we have hope in suffering. 
On Ash Wednesday, for us, Lent starts basically tomorrow. It's the first Sunday of Lent, but we start fasting tomorrow. But for the Latin church, you're going to see on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, where they're going to put ashes on everyone's forehead. Feel free to go. It's not our culture or tradition, but it's a beautiful thing. And when they put the ashes on, their, on your forehead, they say, repeat after me, you are dust, you are dust. And, to dust you and to dust you shall return. The world doesn't want to talk about that. The world does not want to talk about death and suffering. Hebrews 12 says, Jesus learned obedience by what he suffered. And so it is the same with us. We learn obedience, we grow in faith by how we suffer and what we do. All right, finally, humility. Humility is true self-knowledge. It's knowledge of yourself. Every single time the devil tempts you, he's always trying to attack your identity. The devil says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to turn into bread. If you are the son of God, the angels will catch you. Jesus was just baptized and then goes into the desert. The devil is trying to attack, attack your identity. True humility is self-knowledge. That you are God's child. That you have all authority to tell the devil, get out of here. You can do it in Jesus' name, in your authority. But true humility is also this other balance. That you need Jesus. That we are all weak and broken sinners that are in need of God. Even Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We do not live by bread alone, but by God. So to combat these, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving will be our three rocks. We fast so that we're not depending upon all of our feelings. We almsgive, and we don't look for recognition. Look, look at me, look at how much I'm giving. And then we pray in humility, recognizing that God is God and we are not, but that we're so loved by him. Amen.